Pump up the volume on your parenting with Parent Pump Radio. Tune into something different that makes a difference. At Parent Pump Radio, instead of a ripple, we choose to create a splash. Get energized, get inspired, and get informed with how to parent in the new millennium with your host and parent coach super guide, Jacqueline T.D. Wynn. This is Jacqueline T.D. Wynn. Welcome to Parent Pump Radio. Our show is all about dynamic family leadership and leaving a profound legacy for our children. And this year, we've added family financial freedom as a major topic. We want to help families learn, act, and implement strategies to become financially free. Our show is available on iTunes, YouTube, Google Play, and Stitcher, and syndicated on RethinkRadio.org, OneIdeaWay.com, and Armed Radio. I have my two books available on Amazon. The first one is The Amazing Itty Bitty Book on Family Leadership, and the second one just came out in March. It's called True Legacy Wealth, Creating Generational Wealth Through Real Estate Investing. So go to Amazon and get those books. Contact me at info at integrativeminds with an S.com for your free strategy session. So let's go on to our show because I think we all want to work smarter and create massive passive income, right? Our guest today is a self-made freedom lifestyle entrepreneur, seasoned investor, and international speaker. He's been investing in real estate for almost 30 years and has been involved in several other entrepreneurial ventures. He's a regular contributor in the media with his extensive background in business, entrepreneurship, and real estate. As a heart-centered entrepreneur, his passion is giving back to the entrepreneurial community to help people make informed, educated business decisions to build long-term passive income and wealth for themselves and their family. So ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to introduce you to Mike Wolf. Hi, Mike. Hello there. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you. I know you're a globe-trotting machine, so <laughs> we never know when we can get you. <laughs> I'm glad we, we uh, got this time. Uh, we coordinated something. This is good. So it was supposed to be a few weeks before, and then I had something that came up, and then we were almost made it last week, but then we got the time mixed up again. Yeah, that's the problem with, with traveling is the time zones, uh, I don't know, it's confusing, but we uh, we got it to work this time. So I'm very excited. Yeah, yes. Tell me a little bit about you, where you came from and how you got to this passive income and helping people with it. Oh boy, wow, where do I start? So if we, if we were um, having this interview 15 years ago, it would have looked a lot different because back then, I remember I was a, a workaholic and uh, I remember there were lots of days where I would, I was a very successful real estate investor. If you, if you use uh, the financials as the metric to determine success. Uh, so I was, I was making a lot of money, but um, there were lots of days where I would leave home and my daughter would be sleeping. I'd come home, it would be dark out again. And my daughter was sleeping and I missed a lot. There were a lot of days where I missed uh, seeing her growing up. And, you know, back in those days I thought, well, if we take a week or two vacation, where they get my, you know, her and my, and my then wife got my undivided attention, it would make up for it. And um, if I could go back in time, I would never, ever think that way. So anyway, uh, three years ago, I had uh, my first of two, I didn't, my daughter had my first of two grandsons that I now have. And it was such a different uh, picture because literally, you know, within that 20 year period between my daughter being born and my grand, my first grandson being born, 
uh, I could take as much time as I wanted. I could literally spend every day, all day, until my daughter would get sick of me and kick me out uh, with my grandson if I wanted to. And that's because I changed a lot of the ways I do business. I changed, uh, a lot, I put a lot of systems in place and basically went from being a solopreneur doing everything to uh, delegating. Now I delegate almost everything. And so I went from a workaholic to a playaholic. And uh, let me tell you, I, I, when I was a workaholic, I didn't actually mind it. If it weren't for the fact I wasn't seeing my daughter and wasn't paying attention to my health and all that stuff, that stuff didn't really phase me back then. It was all about, hey, how do you make more money? But if I could, you know, if I, if I could go back in time, uh, the things I'm going to teach my grandkids are to work smart, not to work hard. Yeah, we hear that. But what does that really mean? Can you explain this? Absolutely. So what that means is that instead of you uh, doing all the work, it's using leverage. So whether it be you know leveraging other people's skills, uh, other people's time, uh, basically taking yourself out of the equation as much as possible and only doing the things that require you, that you're good at, uh, that are your gifts, and that, that you're passionate about. And having other people using their gifts. There's a lot of stuff, you know. Um, I have people on my team. I have accountants on my team, and I can't imagine a more boring job in the world. And, and nothing <laughs> against accountants. We're just wired differently. An accountant, but there's people that that get lit up about doing that sort of thing, and they would hate to do what I do. So you want the people on your team that can uh, do the things that you're not really necessarily good at, uh, that they actually are passionate about doing, and you know, getting the right people on your team and having the right systems in place makes all the difference. And then on top of that, you know, as you make money, it's making that money work hard for you so that instead of you trading your time to make more, let your money attract more money. And that's really, you know, what I've gotten good at, those two things, you know, building teams and putting my money to work for me. Uh, that's made all the difference. And that really changed, you know, that in that 20-year period, those are the things that changed the most. How does the mindset play into actual wealth that people see in their checkbook? Well, the, big, the biggest thing I think is that most entrepreneurs, uh, you know, when we, when we come up with our entrepreneurial idea, uh, it's kind of like giving birth. And, you know, much like a baby, you don't just want anybody to go and hold your baby, at least not at first. And so most entrepreneurs, they start off as, as, as I did as a solopreneur where we do everything. And we try to get good at every single uh, position within you know all the things that need to be done. So as a real estate investor, I would go and try to find deals. I try to find sellers. I try to find buyers, and I deal with you know getting contractors and and collecting rent and dealing with those you know phone calls at two in the morning from tenants with a leaky toilet. And on Christmas Day every every year, every year a furnace breaks on on, on Christmas Day when you can't find somebody to go and fix it. So these are things that we all try to deal with on our own when we first start. Uh, we all um, just think that no, nobody else can do it as well as we can. And that's really um, one, of the, one of the things that most entrepreneurs have is, is we have this control thing uh, where we think that nobody can possibly do it as well as we can. And so that's the first phase. The second phase, uh, so what happened with me is I am uh, originally from Canada and uh, originally I did all my real estate in Calgary, Canada. And then a friend of mine, he moved to Las Vegas. And I went and I'd go visit him like once a month or once every two months. And, 
you know, most people go to Vegas, they, they had a much different addiction than I do. I don't, I'm not really a gambler and I'm not necessarily a big party animal drinker. But when I go to, especially back then, when I go to a new city, I have to look at real estate. If there's an open house, I'm there. I got to go look at homes. So that was my addiction. So I'd keep looking at these properties. And, you know, back in those days, uh, the homes kept going up and up and up because a lot of people from California, especially, were, were moving to Las Vegas to lower their cost of living. So I started now investing in two, not only two different cities, but two different countries at the same time. And so I was forced to now put the first person on my team. I had to hire a property manager because at the end of the month, you can't collect rent in two different cities. So, uh, so I reluctantly hired a property manager, but I made it so that he had to call me with every, everything that went wrong. I needed to know every little detail. And I remember there was one week where he called me, I think it was a Monday, he called me and said, Mike, the fridge is broken at 123 Main Street. What should I do? And so I told him, well, see what it costs to fix it. If it's over a certain amount, then we replace it. And then he called me like two days later on Wednesday and said, Mike, there's a dishwasher broken. And I, I, I gave him the exact same answer. I said, well, if it costs a certain amount, let's see what it costs to fix it. If it's over a certain amount, let's fix it. And he was forced to call me because that was my what I put in place. That was the rules that I gave him. And so I went from being a solopreneur to a micromanager. And I realized I was spending just as much time, you know, talking to him and babysitting him as I did actually doing the job myself. And so it kind of dawned on me when I had those two calls pretty much back to back. That what if I just put a system in place? Every time an appliance breaks, this is what we do. And if it costs more than a certain amount, we do this. And if it's under a certain amount, we do that. And so that was my very, very first uh, system and my very, fir very first person on my team. And then I started, you know, I started to realize that he was much better at what he did than what, what I did. So when I was managing my own properties in Canada, I thought the best way to do that is to become friendly with the tenants. And I thought if, if you're friendly with the tenant, how would they possibly, you know, they, they would never want to rip you off or not pay you on time because they're, they're my friend, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, well, that's what I thought. That was that was a misconception because when, when they are friendly with you, then they know they can get away with a lot more. And so, you know, they'd always call me and say, hey, Mike, you know what? I, I, get, I don't get paid till Friday. Can you wait till Friday for me to pay your rent? And I'd go, okay, whatever. Sure, Friday's fine. And then Friday would come around and, oh, my car broke down. You know, I, I need another week to get some more money. And then, so now they're a week behind and then they have another excuse and they're two weeks behind. Next thing you know, they're two, three, four months behind and you, they're never going to pay that rent. Yeah. And so now you're forced to evict them and you've gone all these months without rent. They trash your home. My property manager, a property manager only gets paid when they collect rent and a good property manager treats it like a business. So uh, and they're, they're going to be a little bit more fussy on the, on the tenant because they don't get paid unless they collect that money. And so, um, so I realized that not only did I not, was it not taking up my time by having this property manager, he was actually doing a much better job collecting way more rent than I ever did. And even after I paid him, you know, 10%, uh, which is what property managers typically charge, even after I paid him as 10%, I was still making a lot more money not doing the work than when I was trying to do it myself. And so I always had this idea in my head that, uh, you know, I had this wrong idea that I'm saving money by doing it myself. Well, not only was I wasting my time, I was actually costing myself money. And so once I realized this, then I started to see, well, who else could I put on my team that would, uh, you know, take care of the things that I do on a day-to-day -day basis that don't require me and that where I'm actually not even doing as good a job as somebody who's a professional at that uh, part of the business. So you fast forward these days, uh, as you know, I have a turnkey operation in Atlanta 
people. I never see any of these homes personally. I have systems in place. I've got somebody, his only job is to go schmooze bankers so that we can get good deals on properties. And so uh, he picks out the properties, but there's a system in place. All the homes are three bedrooms or more, two bathrooms or more, double attached garage or better. They're in very specific zip codes and it's a certain price per square foot or we don't buy it. And so he knows exactly what he needs to do. Once he gets those properties, he calls up our inspectors. They go and inspect the home. Once they're done their thing, uh, the, uh, they get a list that they send out to the contractors. They fix all the things on the list. And then the property manager fills it and, uh, with a tenant and collects rent. And then I've got affiliates all over the world that are selling these properties for me. So this business pretty much runs better with, a, I, I, I semi-jokingly say, <laughs> I make more money the less I work. And, it, and it's actually true because if I were to go to Atlanta right now and, and go uh, try to micromanage my team, I would actually slow them down and they're actually all better at what they do than I've ever been at what they do. So, um, so I make a lot more money doing a lot less. And when I'm hanging out with my grandkids, I'm making more money and having way more fun than I ever did working really, really hard. Wow. Yeah. We're kind of somehow taught that we can do it all, that control means somehow that, uh, the more control you have, the better it is. But when we're able to let go is when we realize we actually have more power when we let go. Absolutely. That's huge. And it's a really tough thing to do as an entrepreneur to give up that control and, and uh, be trusting with other people. But once you can learn to do that, and once you have the right people on your team to implement the things that need to be done, when you have that, that the, the proper people, uh, life gets a lot better. So I spent a lot of, as you know, I spent a lot of my time volunteering, doing humanitarian things and doing the things that, you know, really make a difference. And one of the things that, that I teach my students is that, you know, you know, we, we never really think about, and I never think, you know, we never think, I hope Jacqueline doesn't breathe too much oxygen because, you know, you don't have a scarcity mindset around oxygen yet. It's the most important thing that we've got. We can't live without it, but we never really think about it because it's so abundant. So when you get your, your business on autopilot, when you have your money on autopilot, so it comes in, you know, to go back to the, the Vegas example again, I'm, I'm not really a gambler, but if I went to Vegas and I lost every dime at the casino, at the end of the month for my rental properties, a bunch of money would come back and fault my bank account again. And so when you have, um, you know, when you have, you have your, your money on autopilot where you're not worried about it, where there's no scarcity and it's, a, and it's an abundant thing, then you can really focus on the things that matter, like your relationships and giving back and, and helping other people, um, your health. And these are all the things that most workaholics don't have time for. They put all that stuff to the wayside. They think, oh, one day I'll focus on my health. Once I have this much money, I'll focus on that. Well, that never happens. Even if you manage to get whatever that amount of money is, when you have that amount of money, your spending's also gone up. And that's not enough. You're, you're always going to be chasing money. So you have to get out of that mindset. And, and you have to switch it and start. Um, my currency is happiness and fulfillment every day. Um, as you know, I, tra I travel pretty much full time. I'm going to ride in your suitcase one day <laughs> just for like a month. <laughs> but, but, but every day, uh, if I'm not in my happy place, I'll jump on a plane and I'll put myself in my happy place. And so sometimes it's quite often it's weather related because I don't like cold, which is why I'm not, I make a really bad Canadian. I'm from the tropics. So yes, I'm there with you. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not fair that you're from, but anyway, we'll talk about that later. But, but really at the end of the day, uh, you know, I changed my, my currency from, from money to happiness and fulfillment. And that's what I think we need to teach our kids and our grandkids is that's what you should ultimately be chasing after, not dollars. And I'm not saying money is not important because it is, but once you figure out how to put that 
on autopilot. I like to call it indestructible wealth where it keeps coming back and, and you do things that, that create recurring revenue and you have teams that go collect that money so that it's passive. So we have that passive income and once you get that figured out and it exceeds all your expenses and you can do whatever you want, then you can focus on the things that, uh, that matters, you know, right? So right, exactly. right. I'm thinking I want to be where you are. Most people are thinking that's where I want to be. But then probably there's people out, lots of people out there, right? They're doing the nine to five grind. They're, they're still back where you started. What advice would you give them to just take that one step forward to head towards where you are now? My, my biggest advice would be to start putting some money away. And I know when you are in the nine to five world, that's not always easy, but pay yourself first. Even if it's a small amount, start uh, putting it away, make your money start working for you. And I'd also recommend, you know, if you're uh, in the nine to five world, think about what some of your gifts are, some of the things that you're really good at. And I think everybody should have their own business of some sort, even if it's something on the side, uh, because one, and I'm not an accountant, so uh, disclaimer, uh, but uh, one, you know, when, when somebody who has a nine to five job gets in their car and they drive to work, they, they can't write that expense off. Right, absolutely. If I, if I go visit them at their work, I'm writing it off because my that's a business expense. And so have, having a business is really important. I'd say start thinking about what you're really gifted at and that and, and preferably something that you're really passionate about too. And try to figure out a way to turn your hobby somehow into a business. Maybe, create, you know, there's, um, most people, they have one thing that they're really good at that people come to you and seek advice on. So for me, obviously, money, real estate, entrepreneurship, people come to me for that. And, and create try to create an online course around your, your hobby and, and you know magic starts to happen when you when you put stuff out there into the end of the universe and and uh, you'd be surprised a lot of people really downplay their gifts because because it's a gift we got it with the, with no effort we think oh well doesn't everybody know how to do this well they don't to me I mean this real estate stuff seems really simple to me uh, at least now after 30 years of doing it um, but it's not this stuff isn't common knowledge and and so take the stuff that you know that isn't common knowledge, turn that into some sort of business and start at least getting some write-offs, hopefully you'll be able to sell some stuff, make some money while you're sleeping. But also once you start to get some money, make that money work for you, uh, you know, because people spend their whole time, you know, trading their time for that, that paycheck. And eventually, uh, you know, unfortunately, as we get older, it gets tougher and tougher to give up that time. Our circumstances change, our health changes, and... Uh, so start thinking of different ways to create passive income. And also there's, you know, so many ways, a lot of people come to me, they say, well, I can't start in real estate because I've got no money. And I can tell you that I started off with no money. Also, uh, I was a starving university student when I did my first real estate deal. Uh, but there's actually strategies where you can get homes for, you know, pennies on the dollar. You can get, there, there's lots of ways to get started. Remember, I'll give people access to, um, uh, my, uh, my passive income masterclass. Maybe that'll inspire a few people. Yeah, how do they do that? Um, we'll, we'll give them a link because I don't know offhand. Okay, I'll put the link in the show notes. Yeah, we'll put a link in there for that. I was just going to say it's so it's so important. And, and as you mentioned earlier, you know, we get taught at a young age that, you know, get out there, go work hard. And uh, I just think it's a shame because I, I think that there's uh, – you know, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't really wear a badge of honor saying I worked so hard that I became a workaholic yet. I thought when I, back in the days when I was doing it, I felt like I was doing the right thing. And had I known then what I know now, life would have been so different. There are still a lot of people in that generation. I think it's, it's the, an older generation mindset 
where if you're not working at least 40, 60, 80 hours a week, then you're not successful somehow. Hard work is what gets the gets you there. When I talk to people like you, they have a whole different paradigm in the way they think, in the way they act, in the way they feel. There's this lightness as opposed to talking to some of the people that I've spoken to. <laughs> right, right. Let's get into what you do in real estate and how you help people get started because you have a very unique system. Right. A number of different ways. You know, back in the old days, I just used to do real estate for myself. And I, at some point, I've done pretty much every strategy known to man surrounding real estate investing. Uh, but, um, you know, it's kind of funny when I started, I was 24 years old and most of my friends thought I was nuts and I would never succeed. And when I did start to succeed, all of a sudden, all my friends wanted to take me to Starbucks and pick my brain. And they thought, you know, over a coffee, I'd be able to teach them everything that I know. And even if I could, you know, transplant my brain in their head, give them all my knowledge. If you don't have the teams, if you don't have the systems, you don't have the resources, it, it doesn't always work. And so, you know, I, so um, I, I realized that a lot of people want the benefits of real estate investing, but they don't necessarily want to go do all, all the work that's involved. There's a lot, there's, there's a lot of running around involved in being successful at that. So I started instead of just buying, you know, uh, three or four or five properties for myself, I would buy six, seven, eight, nine, ten properties for myself. And so I started to help my friends by, you know, I'd buy these homes, I'd get them fixed up for them and uh, put tenants in place and do all, take care of all the moving parts because I had the teams to do that. And so I, I, so I went from just working for, you know, for myself to now helping myself and my friends. Well, then my friend's friends started to call me and then I started to buy, you know, 12, 13, 14 properties at a time and I helped myself, my friends and my friend's friends. And then I got asked a lot of the same questions over and over. So I created a YouTube channel and started to, you know, I put a lot of uh, content surrounding the most frequently question, uh, asked questions about real estate investing. And now I literally have, you know, I get calls from people all over the world wanting to invest in real estate. So I've got my turnkey operation that I mentioned earlier, where you don't have to be an expert in real estate. You don't have to know how to, how to pick a market, how to build a team, how to do all those, you know, all those things that, uh, have to come together in order to do a successful real estate transaction. But then I also have some people, they want to be hands-on, you know, they want to be uh, on the front lines, do what I uh, used to do. And that's actually work hard with this. Um, and so I, I actually do trainings where I teach people different strategies. So for example, I've got one where I teach tax deeds. And what a tax deed is, is where somebody hasn't paid their property tax in, in you know, three or four years, eventually the county needs that uh, money to pay for their you know, police force or fire department, keep the schools open, et cetera. And so eventually they got to auction off these properties and you can get these properties. You know, one of, one of my students picked up a property recently in Houston, Texas uh, for $7,200. So, so like I said, you don't necessarily have to have a lot of money, but you need to know some of the different strategies that are out there. So I teach stuff on that. I teach, um, you know, basically uh, how to get started but I also do it with a twist. So for example, that tax deed course, not only do I teach you how to do it, but then I also give you a team on the ground in Houston, Texas, so that you can actually do this from anywhere in the world. I've got one student in Australia who participates at that auction. The auction takes place on the first Tuesday of every month, but you can do this from the comfort of your own home because I've got teams set up and I give my students those teams. And so I teach people how to, how to take strategies that usually involve a lot of work and I teach you how to do, um, you know, how to delegate to the team. Uh, so yeah, the team's already there for you, but I teach you basically how to be the quarterback. You have to make the decisions, decide which properties make sense to bid on and what your maximum bid is going to be. And that's the stuff that I teach you. I do a four-day training on that. 
but I teach a lot of different courses around money, uh, different types of investments. Uh, and of course, you know, real estate and passive income is, is my, uh, my uh, favorite. So that, that's spot. my most common event. Exactly. Yeah. So you have online training and you have in-person training also. I'm actually creating some new online courses. I had some, but I really wanted to update them. So uh, I'm actually going to take some time off to just go and revamp everything. Um, because a lot of these courses were, were uh, I created back when I worked a lot harder. And so now I'm putting a new twist on it. How do you, how do you delegate a lot of this stuff and what things do you need to do or what things should you not be doing and have other, you know, other professionals helping you with. So I'm revamping all my online uh, stuff. But live trainings, I, I do usually about two or three of them a year. I don't do too many anymore. I actually stopped doing the tax deed when I was telling you about. I actually stopped doing it when my daughter got pregnant because I was trying to give myself even more time. And one of my students uh, who has a really big following online, he, he's the one who actually picked up that $7,200 property. And he shot a video saying, I want to give a big shout out to my mentor, Mike Wolf. And all of a sudden, I had all these people calling, when's your next course? When's your next course? I didn't have a next course. So... Um, so I, after taking a two-year hiatus, I did my I, I did uh, my first event, uh, you know, after two years. And when I was doing it, I realized how much I missed teaching because, like I said, I took it off my plate for a little bit, and I really loved doing it. But I don't like to teach as much as I, I used to teach. Uh, you know, sometimes I do seven, eight events in a year, and now it's like two or three. So, um, so I kind of toned it down a little bit, but uh, but they're really fun events. Do you do it all over the world or is it just in the United States and Canada? I do, I do my biggest events usually in the United States because that's where, the, in my opinion, the best opportunities are right now. So uh, I do some trainings in Atlanta and then I show people behind the scenes at my operation and how I built it. And I teach them how they can duplicate that, maybe not on the same scale or if they, if they want to do it on the same scale, absolutely. Uh, most of them aren't quite there yet. Uh, and in, in Houston, Texas is where I teach, you know, things like the tax deeds and the auctions and foreclosure auctions, because that's my personal favorite auction. And that's where my team is set up for my students. So we do most of our trainings there as well. What's the website that people can go to to get more information? Yeah, they can go to MikeWolfMastery.com. So that's uh, wolf, just like the animal, MikeWolfMastery.com. You have a very easy name to... Uh... Well, it's kind of funny because you think it was easy, but I guarantee you somebody is going to put an E on the end of wolf. Even I said, just like the animal. So <laughs> W-O-L-F. W-O-L-F. But yeah, people always mess that up. So you think it was easy, but eh, not so easy. Okay. Well, not like not mine. Than yours, though. yours is really tricky. Yeah, right. I probably probably just changed it to phonetically, but it's, you know, it goes generations back. So I can't. We'll let it slide then. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so the mastery course we'll put also in the show notes for people to click on the link. And thank you so much. I appreciate you sharing, God, everything. No, thanks for having me here. It's my pleasure. We'll do it again. Yeah, we'll do it again. And, and hopefully we'll be uh, celebrating with you at the top of the mountain. Love it. Okay, thank you, listeners. And until next time, keep on learning and always keep on growing. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today. Go to parentpumpradio.com and click on the pink box on the top of our homepage to listen to our new and archived shows. To be instantly notified of new episodes, subscribe to our RSS feed. The RSS feed button is located at the top of the page where all our shows are featured. And after listening to the show, go to parentpumpradio.com or our Facebook page to leave your comments, questions, and topic suggestions. Until next time, have a wonderful week.